You're listening to Coming of Cage, a Nicolas Cage podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Coming of Cage podcast. I am one of your hosts, Derek, and that is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hi. What's up? Hi. Was that finger guns? Even me not even quite me. i didn't have any any handles on them just just mm, points it's pointing okay yeah so just just all barrel all, <laughs> all barrel i like it i yeah. like it well we're the coming of cage podcast we are your nicholas cage movie review podcast and this week we are reviewing nicholas cage's only directorial credit which is 2002's sunny which actually stars james franco and nina servari uh, Nick is in it, however, briefly as a character named Acid Yellow. Which we will talk about. <laughs> which we will talk about. Uh, and this movie, I'm just going to do the synopsis real quick. An honorable discharged soldier returns home to New Orleans, hoping to break away from his upbringing as a trained prostitute. But his brothel madam mother has other expectations. So there yeah, you go. Is somewhat accurate. Yeah. Uh, at this point, James Franco, Spider-Man came out the same year as this movie. So people didn't really know him all that well yet. He had been in Freaks and Geeks. And Mina, she had already been in American Beauty and two American Pie movies. So people probably knew she knew her the most uh, from at least the two of them. But yeah, that's the movie, man. So yeah. Ryan, you want to take us through what we do here? Yeah, so normally what we do here is that I try and take notes about the movie of things that are interesting or noteworthy and uh, usually miss other things while I'm taking notes. But um, Derek fills in those gaps for me. But yeah, we just kind of go in like the chronological order of the the way things happen in the movie, not necessarily the chronological order of, you know, the actual movie, because sometimes things jump back and forth. So, Whoa. oh, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I just blew everybody's mind. I know. <laughs> But yeah, that's how we usually do it. Um, yeah. So funny story. Ooh. I have three crossed out notes at the beginning of this because sometimes I get these sometimes these movies aren't readily available, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I have to get, uh, use other means to watch them. Mm -hmm. And so I found a movie named Sonny. Oh no. That said it was from 2002. <laughs> Spelled the same and everything. And my girlfriend and I start watching it. And it's um, about, like, it, it starts out in India. And it's a, like, cop woman that uh, is apparently undercover and starts, like, fighting this guy that's sexually harassing her. And I, we got through about 15 minutes of this. And I was like, this seems really different than the synopsis I read should we like look and see maybe what what's happening like are we watching the right movie and so turns out we were watching a movie called sony s-o-n-i mm. it came out in 2018 it was a netflix production but for some reason it was mislabeled it so happens. it happens yeah now in my nick cage folder on my media drive there's a movie that says sunny that is not sunny well it's sunny it's just a different sunny it's, it's not always, always it's not sunny. always sunny in this case <laughs> it's not always. so yes uh, 
I have three funny. notes that are okay. completely worthless now, so we're going to ignore That's those fair. notes as much as I want to go through them. That's fair. My, the most annoying part for me when we do these types of movies is if you look them up, they'll say that they're streaming on Amazon Prime, and they yeah. really mean freebie. Right, and we have a irrational <laughs> hatred towards freebie because in the most like dramatic moments of the movie, you get a Pepsi <laughs> commercial or something, and it's just horrible. Uh, but that is how I ended up watching this as well, so yeah you know what are you gonna do and uh, i mean at this point i feel like freebie freebie and Tubi might as well just be renamed the nick cage uh like b movie <laughs> channels like so all the many. obscure movies that you never want to watch that nick cage has done really anything he did with saturn media is gonna <laughs> <Right>. be <laughs> which is like 40 movies um he's anyway loyal. he's loyal uh so open a movie opens up and in the subtitles it said sensitive piano music which i thought was an interesting yeah, way I to start the, start the movie um and so then we get what is supposed to be james franco walking through the streets of new orleans uh in a uh like military outfit mm-hmm. but it's just really bad green screen which gets more confusing later when like he's, he's actually there there yeah. yeah so this must have been like maybe like a reshoot or something yeah it's like a chest up shot of him mm-hmm. like right right in front of his face with new orleans behind him if and you go yeah, to the imdb page where the trailer plays the thumbnail is the shot we're talking about yeah it, it, it is several shots like a, a different locations but mm-hmm. it's just very weird uh that yeah. they would choose to do it that way when they had access to new orleans but whatever um yeah, that was uh, it, unfortunately it wasn't bad green screen driving, so we didn't get to check that box on the uh, on the thing. Wah, wah. I also find it interesting that uh, this is not really important to any point of the movie, but in the description of the movie, it says an honorably discharged soldier, but they never say anything about his discharge in the movie or whether it was honorable or dishonorable, and it never plays a point at all. So if anything, I would argue that saying that he's honorably discharged actually confuses the movie more. And I don't want to jump ahead too much, but that there's an option then he would have had if he was honorably discharged that is never discussed throughout the movie. If he had been dishonorably discharged, then that that option would not have been available. So I want to talk about that later. Okay. Yeah, but I, I just thought that was interesting because yeah. yeah, we get home and he does have all his military gear and everything, but mm-hmm. it never they never touch base on his discharge. So I don't know why that was so important that they had to put it in the synopsis. But um, anyway, I think maybe it's meant to paint the picture that this guy doesn't want to be in this life anymore, right? He's supposed to have gone straight, right? He's cleaned up his act. He's reading books now and all this type of stuff, right? So he was honorably discharged, which meant that you know he followed all the rules did what he was supposed to do you know he wasn't a troublemaker those types of things i do probably at this point want to say uh maybe a trigger warning Hmm. there is some pretty dark subject matter here it's not really Mm -hmm. handled in a way that it was handled in a lighter way but when you think about the actual subject matter it's fairly dark and it involves you know uh sexual things with underage people um things like that Mm-hmm. So uh, if that's the kind of thing that bothers you, then definitely uh, you might want to peace out on this episode, sadly, and maybe go listen to our Teen Titans Go one. Yeah, um, if you were thinking of watching this movie, there's also some violence that's kind of intense yes. a couple of times as well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so getting into that, 
you, we, we see him go into this house in New Orleans, presumably his old house that he lived in before he went on to the military. And um, he talks to his mother and we find out that his mother is a madam, mm-hmm. which, if you don't know, is a person that runs a brothel generally. Um, and that she mentions that she trained him herself. Yeah, man. Um, which I... is right out of the gate. This is in the first like three minutes of the movie. I want to believe the intention was that like she had like the women she that worked for her train him and she didn't directly do it because that's bad enough. Yeah. Right. But man, but she says it many times that she trained him. So immediately uncomfortable in this. And and the reason why I don't think that that's the case is because later or not that much later in the movie, but really like in the scene, she talks about this other girl that she has and that he could train her. Yeah. So I feel like if she was saying that, like taking credit for other people doing training, then she would have just said, I I want, I'm going to train her with you or whatever. You know what I mean? That's a possibility. Yeah. It's mean, a, I, it's dark subject matter. Yeah. yeah. And later we find out that it was at 12 he was 12 years old, which is what makes this pretty dark. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, in general incest, you know. Well, he had whatever, start, but... he started physically doing it at 12. Younger than that, he was still around Training. it in the house and like, yeah. you know. So, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Um so then he you know, he said he's having this conversation with his mom. She's bringing up that she can't wait to get him back into work. Uh, and you know she's got people that have been asking for him. He's apparently godlike in terms of his sexual prowess because women are literally drooling over him throughout the movie. Um, and she said, you know, she's talking about how she can't wait for the, all this, blah blah blah. She's got people lined up, ready to go. And uh, he says that he doesn't want to be in this life anymore. And his mom just goes ballistic and starts trying to guilt trip him into uh into doing this and you know how she gave up her whole life and that he's the only thing she has to show for her life and everything um so yeah clearly not well off no and she clearly uh has a lot tied up into him Mm -hmm. um i i don't know what remember why my oh i think we go into his old room and for some reason he's like looking in the mirror and it like the camera shows a first place spelling bee trophy yeah so like yeah. it like it focuses on that it's not just like a set de- decoration i think again that was another example of the movie trying to show us that this kid like he he was excelling at school he was a smart kid like you know who participated right and wasn't like slacking off i think because i think yeah. there's there's you know a conception misconception that you know people who end up in this life are there for you know specific reasons right and maybe that's not the case is maybe the part of the point the movie is trying to make maybe it was just a weird decision to use a spelling bee to like show that Mm -hmm. um so we at this point i think in this scene we meet mina suvari who is her newest uh worker Mm -hmm. Carol um, is the character's name. Carol. Um, and, you know, there's a weird introduction. Um, Carol is staying in his old room, and she says she offers to leave, you know, and let him have the room. And he says, no, it's fine. So they're sharing a bed together already. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I don't think they actually have sex at this point. I think it's like a day or two later. It's unclear. I, I feel like it's a day or two later as well, but time moves very strangely in this movie. It's very hard to kind of tell when a day yeah. is, is over. Um, so but... Next we get the uh, pretty, not super graphic, but but more graphic than was like really necessary blowjob scene of uh, Carol oh. bl- blowing this uh, car dealership owner to get use of a trans am this takes place in 81 by the way if we didn't mention that it's a it's a period piece um and so this is like a brand new uh firebird you know yeah pontiac and she's blowing the guy and he's talking she's trying to discuss like how long she needs the car for and stuff while she's doing the job and he tells her you know just finish and then we'll figure out the details and it's it's a really kind of grotesque scene mm-hmm. um but it turns out that she was getting the car for uh sunny who's james franco's character to use while he's in town um or you know i, I assume she's presuming that he's going to be there for a while and she very quickly goes very far out of her way to like help him out immediately uh, I'm sure she I took it as she was just kind of like directed to do that by the madam by his mom to make him feel at home maybe and, I guess you know, as the movie progresses I didn't I didn't feel that way I felt like that was of her own doing but maybe it might have been I mean going out and randomly blowing a guy for a car for, to give a car to a guy that you just met a day ago seems like a pretty big jump without having something else push you but i mean who knows well one of the things that one of the key aspects of her character right is that she really does intend to get out of that life and maybe she saw maybe she knew immediately that he was a good possible way out um maybe i don't know he's he at this point you know he told his mom he wanted to get out he's not back in he uh he said that when he was in the service that there was another guy that he was that he was stationed with that had his dad had a bookstore in texas i think it was texas city yeah, or texas something. city texas city texas yeah. um and that he was going to go there and take that job uh and that was his plan uh, and the next scene we get james franco butt which there's several of in this movie so it's not as really exciting as a nick cage butt if i'm being honest but you know it is there Um, he's shaving which there's several scenes of him shaving and it's very odd that they I feel like there might have been some intended symbolism or something with the shaving but um, I didn't it didn't really come through for me but there's at least three scenes of him shaving in this movie Um, and this first one um, at this point a random guy walks into the bathroom that we don't have any clue who this guy (laughs) is he's butt naked shaving and this guy walks in just like starts having a friendly conversation with him. Clearly he knows this gentleman. Uh, turns out it's somebody that is a partner for his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a gambling addict, uh, potentially alcoholic. He's a um, thief. He steals he's a thief. Yeah, yeah. He has, he has a lot of issues. Um, yeah. And so he, he goes in and says, hi, says, you know, like come down for breakfast or something along those lines. And Carol is still sleeping in the bed. And when he walks by this old guy, he like 
grabs her upper thigh, like crotch area mm-hmm. to wake her up. And when she wakes up, she says, I told you to stop doing that. And so that's, you know, pretty problematic. I mean, prostitute or not, you don't, you know, nobody needs to be treated that way. Um, you know, so that's a weird, it was a different world in 81, but, I, but you know, this is a more modern movie. So having things like that is still questionable in my mind. Um, so... I'm trying to remember if anything important happens at that breakfast or whatever. I don't think they even show much of that breakfast. There is a breakfast well, later, but one of the one of the things I started noticing at this point, because because Nick Nick directed this one, I did try and pay a little extra attention. Me to too. The, yeah, the, you know the way the movie was shot and things like that that I don't normally do because we're more trying to focus on Nick's performance. Um, and I noticed that Nick really loved the close up shot. Yes, in character moments specifically, mm-hmm. is that what you're talking about? Yes. yes, I noticed that too. I have a I have a note about that later. But he really likes the framing. He likes mm-hmm. specific framing of intimate character moments, which uh, I think you would probably agree is pretty uh, fitting for what we've seen of his performances. He seems to just relish in those intimate, like uh very emotion driven moments uh and and there are a lot in this movie that are probably unnecessary they're good for character development i suppose but um they don't necessarily lead anywhere a lot of them well but you can tell the way they're framed yes he he definitely has a very specific vision for the way he wanted these moments to look well it seems like he had a pattern to the way he would do things where he would have like an establishing shot of the set right of whatever the room was the place was so that way the audience is like okay so we're in the kitchen whatever right and then it would basically be all of these close-up shots from that point forward not always on the face sometimes they'd be close up on like the hands or something like that like during the card games later or something sure but it was all very much like far back establishing shot and then close-up shots and it's not always like center frame either so mm-hmm. a lot of times you would show like the background or something like important off to the side um so yeah you could definitely tell that his focus just like when he acts himself in a movie was the important intimate moments that's where he really like wants to be in the movie um you know i'm sure he enjoys the action scenes and stuff like that but really that's where he he likes to have moments with other actors it seems like Mm -hmm. so and he liked to focus on those in this movie as well as a director um so uh the this day sunny go i assume it's this day like you said time is kind of ambiguous in this movie but um i assume it's the same day sunny goes to a suit store i don't know if it's in like a mall or what um to get a new suit and two ladies show up in that suit store so my next note is super horny old lady at suit at suit store because i mean this lady has had her mind blown by him several times i imagine in the past uh, and she so much loved it so that she had told this other lady about it before they even knew they were going to run into him. Mm-hmm. This was just her like recounting stories of past flings. Um, so this other lady, you know, at some point during this conversation, she's very horny towards Sonny and asks if he's working um, again and, um, you know, just like trying to figure out if he's available to book and things like that. And the other lady doesn't really know who this is or what's going on until the other the one lady says, oh, this is the guy I told you about. Mm-hmm. 
And then she instantly has a waterfall between her legs, too. And it's just like, I got to get me some of this guy. Right? Was she not? Were they not? Like, it was like a switch turned on. They were very interested. Yes. She went from just being friendly to being like, I need more information about you right now. And I want you to come to this party I'm having and stuff like that. Yeah, this, this, so the scene is kind of serving two key purposes that are really important for the rest of the movie. One is these ladies, right? And the type of work that he gets, right? Because at this point, we know that he's very popular or very good at what he does, but we haven't really seen the clientele because he's saying that he's not doing it. So this is our first glimpse at what that looks like. The other piece is that while he's getting these new clothes, he's also trying to get a job there. Right. And he gets turned down after the guy overhears this conversation. So there's clearly a stigma, right? And once, you know, people know you for this, then perhaps you're not welcome in certain areas, right? And so that's, those two things are very key for the rest of the story. For sure. And you kind of get a hint at this point that maybe he's not so confident that this bookstore thing is going to work out. He hasn't been down there yet, um, mm. but, you know, he's already asking about other jobs in this area. So you're not you get kind of like that first bit of, well, maybe maybe he isn't so confident in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't usually like to comment on the looks of actors in movies because, you know, they can't control that. But I have to say that James Franco was a little uh, distracting in this. Because he always looks like he was falling asleep. And I know that he just has eyes that don't open very much. But in this movie, it was like, you know, in Spider-Man, it wasn't really a big deal. I never really had that vibe. You know, in Pineapple Express, he was supposed to be like a stoner. And stoners kind of have that thing where they're always tired or whatever. And their eyes are always half closed because they're relaxed. I don't know. Right? That's a thing. And half-baked, they have their eyes. Okay. Yeah. and But, yeah, no, in this movie, he looks like he's asleep or about to be asleep constantly. And for me, it was a little bit distracting. I, yeah. like I said, I know that's just the way that he looks, I guess, but he did, hasn't been like that in other movies that I've seen that came out in similar time frames. So I don't know. I think he just pushed it a little too hard on the, I'm going to be the suave, sad boy. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Right. And that was just the look that came together for it. Cause I, I agree with you. He kind of has this look throughout almost the entire movie. And, I don't know. It didn't fit what he's saying a lot of the time. Right. Um, And so it it did feel kind of disjointed and I don't know where the fault lies for that. Right. right? But it was weird. It was. And, you know, for us being Nick Cage fans, you know, part of his acting, he's very big on eyes. Like he uses his eyes to emote a lot. Right. Yes. Um, And so going from that, which is what we're usually reviewing to you know, this was a stark difference. Um, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, and my next note is casual smoking and tidy whities. There's a lot of casual smoking in this movie. Mm-hmm. It takes place in 81. I understand the world was different. Maybe we need yeah. to add that to the bingo card. Casual, casual smoking. smoking. Jesus. I mean, there's a lot in his movies, too. That would be another good uh, square <laughs> to have mixed in occasionally. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, he here's a scene of him just smoking away in cat and tidy whities. Like I said, lots of smoking throughout well, all, throughout this movie. He's also like half dressed a lot of the time, at least early on. 
in the movie there's there's several shots where i'm like is he wearing pants and it takes a you know right. 20 seconds to find out if he's wearing pants right and it's not really that important to the scene but you just kind of want to know if he's walking around naked or if he actually has pants on exactly yeah, yeah. um my next note is that henry who is the partner of uh his mother Henry is a good guy, even though he's got this stuff going on. He's kind of in this movie, he's kind of the wholesome character, even though he's a thief. At least that's the way it came across to me. He was a thief and, uh, you know, all these other things, but he really did care about his mom and he really did care about Sonny. And, you know, he gave Sonny good advice, wanted yeah. him to get out of the life. The kitchen you know, his scene life is good. had been gone. His life had been, you know, wasted, he felt like, and he saw an opportunity to help Sonny not have that feeling. And um, so he was kind of, for me, the like moral compass of the movie, even though he was himself a bad person. But nobody's perfect, really. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, I think that's fair. I think so. First off, the kitchen scene is very powerful. The scene where the two of them are talking about Sonny wanting to go take this job and everything like that. And, and Harry, and that is where I wrote this note. This was the kitchen scene, I think. So Henry is played by Harry Dean Stanton. I'm I'm sure you'd know him if you saw him, he's been in a million different things as big as like alien, you know, um, and and stuff. He's a good actor. Yeah. He's a very good actor and the scene's really powerful and you don't, you know, spoiler warning. You don't really know why until later. Yeah. Um, And you know, because they're talking about basically Sonny keeps being told by his mom and stuff that nobody gets out of the life, right? You know, you can try and go straight, but you'll be back kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and they keep using the word square. You can try and be a square or whatever. And, you know, Henry takes a different perspective. He really does want Sonny to be happy. He wants him to to take the shot. And he, he kind of chokes up and, mentions, and says, I'm paraphrasing that, you know, that somebody in the life could make it. And it's implied that it's his life that he like is disappointed in, and he doesn't want Sonny to have that. He right. wants him to to be able to have a normal, more fulfilling life and not be dependent on crime and substances. At least that's what I took from it. Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I don't know that I'd call him the a wholesome character per se. But wholesome in relative to the rest of the movie. I mean, fair enough. Yeah, I do agree. He totally cares very deeply about Jewel and Sonny. He yeah. really does. Um, so then uh, Sonny decides to go to Texas and try and get this job. And we get these weird ass sped up driving scenes. Oh, thank you. I was I'm not so sure what Nick was going go for with this, but it was almost cartoony. It was the weirdest driving montage I can recall yeah. in a movie. It Because the thing, everything was sped up. Things that shouldn't have been sped up were sped up. And it's not even like interesting stuff there was a shot where like the car is coming and then the, the camera just pans to the side of the road at one point yeah it's just like a, nothing there it's just to describe it it's more just like a like a 2x speed or two and a half x speed yeah. of the car driving down highways and stuff it's not like an artsy shot where you see the interior of the car and the person driving is a normal speed and like the outside is moving quickly right. or something like right. that it's just everything is sped up they sped the tape up yeah, um, it's, it makes me wonder if maybe the movie's runtime was a little long, and that's where he was like, "We can we can shave off a minute or two minutes in the scene if we just do a two and a half, you know, car speed." I mean, maybe it's an hour and fifty, so it's not like they were you know trying to stay under the two hour mark. No, but this is but, also in uh, two thousand and what two, so you know, movies were shorter then. That's true. 
So. It was weird. It was very jarring. I actually was like, I laughed, which I'm yeah. sure is not what they were going for. And so, you know, and when that happens, I feel a little guilty at my response, right? Like, I don't, but it was very weird. I would like, if we ever got the opportunity to interview Nick, I would want to ask him about that. Why, what was the motivation behind the sped up car? Was there something, uh, you know, artistic there? Do you just think it looked cool or? I mean, maybe it had something to do with, Maybe it was supposed to show the kind of feelings of Sonny because Sonny kind of like runs off. He He's heated, right? His mom's really like gotten on his last nerve kind of thing. And Carol's gone for like a week up in like some hotel somewhere right, working. And he just like takes off. And maybe it was supposed to be that kind of bat out of hell style approach. And they didn't maybe. have the budget to maybe do it the way they meant to. Yeah, I feel like you know, with all the care that he took in choosing costumes and for my, in my opinion, specifically the car, like he yeah. was very, he, you know, that from his like, uh, gone to 60 seconds time and things like that. He's, he is a car enthusiast. Mm -hmm. He may not know much about cars, you know, having read some interviews, but he does appreciate the aesthetics of cars and he has specific ideas in mind. And in this movie, he very specifically picks a car that is like a cool guy, you know, well, it's the looking. iconic it's the black with the gold firebird on the hood and the gold right. trim like it's a very iconic version of that car absolutely one yeah. of the most sought after versions of that car in general yeah. uh he definitely wanted this guy to feel like a like a 50s i've got the vibe he wanted to be like a 50s greaser mm. and actually you know i th I felt like there's a lot of this in the movie mm -hmm. and maybe you'll agree with me that there was i feel like he wanted to set this movie in the 50s because like a lot of the outfits are like very not they're not 1981. There was a couple scenes specifically when I was watching it with my girlfriend where I was like, this is not what the world looked like in 1981. I wasn't alive in 81, but I know what the what aesthetics were in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it wouldn't have been full 80s at this point. They wouldn't have had, you know, what we know of from the 80s, but it would have had a lot of 70s fashion still carrying over in 1981. But we don't see any of that. Right. All of the fashion is like 60s and 50s. Um, so I don't know if he just wanted to show like how far behind the times this particular uh, area was or if he actually wanted to like set the movie in a different, you know, time period and just didn't. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, maybe, maybe that was the plan and it was going to be too expensive because they would have had to get like vehicles from that time period right. and set up the whole street that way and you know, that would be more difficult. But than... I could easily see this exact same story. There was nothing in this movie that said it needed to take place in 1981. You know what I mean? Everything was like the same story could have unfolded in 1957. Yeah, I mean, I, there, nothing happens that's relevant. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, and nothing even feels like the 80s. You know, when you watch like Stranger Things or um, some of these other movies that have mm -hmm. taken place in the 80s in modern time. Right. Um, you know you the 80s or the the era plays a lot for like it's a bit it's a role in itself whereas in this movie the time period it could have been any time period the fact that it took place in 81 seems like they threw a dart at a dartboard well maybe that's maybe that's the point that maybe it was meant to feel timeless or it was meant to feel like it was you know i like i said maybe it was meant to feel like this was a town that was kind of out of time and you know Maybe. I mean, they're in New Orleans, you know, so it's not like they picked a small town or something. 
Sure, but I mean, it, it, it takes place in a very small section of the town. It's yeah. this, there's not a lot of set pieces in this. No, that's um, true. That's true. You know, and everybody kind of knows each other, and they've been working together for a long time. So I don't know. Maybe it, it could be anything. It yeah. was an interesting decision, and one that I was questioning throughout the movie. Why is this? Why aren't they leaning into the '80s a little bit more? I don't know that it necessarily would have added anything to the movie, but seeing, you know, some people wearing jean jackets instead of like 50s leather jackets probably yeah. would have been OK. Anyway, um, so, yeah, he goes to Texas. We get that weird speed up, sped up driving thing. And uh, he goes and talks to his friend who, funny enough, is a guy from Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Scott Con. Yeah. He was one of the car thieves from Gone in 60 Seconds. Um and he finds out that the bank took the bookstore from his dad while he was in, while he was deployed and um his dad passed away of cancer while he was deployed and so he came back to no family no house no business no nothing and really he's taking it pretty well he's oh yeah you know, yeah he, I, he seems to be handling it fine sonny seems more upset by it than he does and I think this is where we start to see some cracks in the Sonny character that maybe this dude's got issues and he's just trying to pretend that he doesn't. Right. And so he, he gets him a beer and he explains the situation to him. And he says, you know, I've got this date with this hot chick tonight and she's got a friend. Uh, you That's know, why sister. don't or a sister? Why yeah. don't you uh, come on out with us and we'll, you know, we'll have a good time while you're here in Texas. And he seems kind of uh, anxious about the fact because, you know, he was a male prostitute and hadn't really ever been on a date before. His whole thing was just pleasuring women. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but he does it. Um, and, you know, she inevitably asks what he does for a living. And he just is kind of ambiguous about it, saying, like, uh, you know, I I just got back from the military and I'm still figuring things out. Um but eventually she ends up kind of making a move on him and they sleep together and he looks like he is absolutely in love with her at this point. And he's like revealing everything about he's bearing his soul. I guess he has that like post nut clarity where he just like, you know, has his mind is finally cleared and he feels, you know, like he can say anything, which is a phenomenon, you know, that happens to some guys, I guess, but (laughs) uh <laughs> um yeah anyway uh so yeah he tells her she says oh my god you're so good at that you should get paid for that you should do that which for is, a living yeah she, just you know randomly spouting that out after a one night stand <laughs> in 1981 yeah. um and he is like i do do that for a living and she's like what what and there's like this whole scene because she doesn't and believe he, him at first, and she thinks he's kidding, right? And, and he starts to feel judged, it kind of seems like. Yeah. Uh, and so he goes into the bathroom. She goes into the bathroom, and he follows her into the bathroom and sees her, like, drinking something. And he starts flipping out. He's, he thinks it's a, a drug. I can't remember what drug. He said it was codeine codeine right because you know he would know because he's seen what he's seen or whatever right it's an unlabeled bottle i'm not saying that you know he was wrong necessarily his reaction on the other hand is fucked up yeah uh yeah he it's she says his cops are up and she kind of her sister later confirms that she's or her 
her sister's friend or boyfriend his, or whatever. His buddy, his his, his buddy, buddy. Yeah. confirms that she's like addicted to cough syrup. And he so he sees her drinking this, he knocks it out of her hand, smashes the bottle, and then like starts rat- rifling through all the drawers and like shelving and finds like 10 more bottles and breaks them all like these and... are all glass bottles right because it's the early 80s so there's glass everywhere she's like mostly naked and he's, he's screaming kind of at her, her she's screaming he has gone off the deep end like yeah completely... he he's had a mental break at this point um and he's i think he keeps talking about how like she's judging him for being unclean or something and she's yeah. dirty and you know, all this other stuff. So yeah, there's like this whole scene and he's like naked yelling at his friend. His friend, they're all sleeping together in the same house. And so her his friend hears the yelling and then the girl's sister hears the yelling. And so there's a scene, he's yelling at his friend. Everybody's yelling at everybody. Um, They tell him to leave. And so he walks out the door. He starts screaming uh, about how he's better than them. And yeah. like all this, like, just a complete breakdown okay so my theory here is that uh nick cage was trying to like he wanted a scene where that he would have liked to have in a movie because i could really see him doing a scene like this you know kind of way over the top uh you know yeah emotional large and franco i didn't think carried the same kind of energy that nick would have i didn't really take it super seriously like i didn't buy into the whole thing it felt i guess i don't i I, i'm having a hard time picturing nick doing a scene this like domestically violent Um, he's done a lot of domestic violence in his movies not like this okay you've watched 30 some movies with me i can't recall a scene see him literally punch women in the face i can't recall a scene like this okay but Either way, it Franco is just like screaming right at the top of his lungs. And so, you know, his voice is like breaking at times and he's you know basically naked in the scene, um, you know, and he's just like repeating himself over and over again. I just I don't know. It was a very I mean, I think the scene did what it was supposed to do, which is make you extremely uncomfortable and then shatter any possible hope that you had for yeah sunny as a character because up until this point you're rooting for him right you're thinking you want him to get out you know and then this happens and it's like well he's actually like really he is this like horrible dude whether or not you know it's it's because of his upbringing whatever but he's not a good guy yeah and this is basically when the switch flips Mm -hmm. um and he decides that he's not going to go straight anymore now he's gonna go full into this lifestyle um and yeah this is where my note kicked in about uh the 50s stuff is because all a lot of the music in the movie was also 50s music and it wasn't a 50s and 60s and you know there was like no 80s music at all uh there was something early on might have been 70s but yeah, it, honestly, the music in this movie was pretty good. It was great. Yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not complaining, certainly. It just, uh, again, when you're talking about the 80s, and granted, this was 81, so I would have maybe expected more 70s music, but um, it was a little disappointing that we didn't get any of, like, you know, the big I mean, 80, there, there was a rush. There was a rush track um, that made it in there at one point. Um, Chicago was in there. 
which you know was 70s so like there's there, so there's a little bit yeah there's a there's, little bit but not you know yeah it yeah. was a good soundtrack oh bowie yeah right bowie was in there yeah um, bowie was toward, in there the i was pleasantly surprised at that it's um, a i think i have soundtrack. a note about it <laughs> i think I, yeah david bowie soundtrack i have a note later than that uh and i know you're a soundtrack guy so i knew yeah. you'd appreciate that but i mean um, to, it was the for me it was the best part of the movie so yeah i agree um yeah so after all that uh happens my next note was nick really likes framing character moments so you and i had definitely a similar thought on that mm -hmm. um so then he goes to i i should mention because we didn't talk about this much earlier in the movie uh he oh it, to pay him or pay her back for getting the trans am she requests that he have sex with her, the Mia Suvari's character, Carol. Right. Um, and so uh, they have sex. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point, uh, it, it's kind of become obvious up to this point in the movie that she, some for some reason, is obsessed with him after this. Yeah. I mean, I, like you said, she does see, maybe see him as a way out, but also she just seems like she is completely in love with him. Her character is not that deep, in my opinion. Her character has two things that she wants, Sonny and to get out of this life. And there's not really much depth beyond that. Um, I mean, it, it could be, and this is kind of a, a trope or a cliche that's used in, in film and TV too, is that, you know, he's kind of the first guy who just treats her ha like kind of decent. Right. Right. Cause she's not, you know, she's never been treated well. Right. That's how she ended up with Jewel in the first place. And Jewel treats her like shit too. So Sonny is just like, not being a monster to her and that yeah. is like enough right so when he gets back there's a big scene with his mom um where she's like he's it seems like he's about to get back into the sex work stuff and she is talking to him about how important it is that he continues and everything like that and how she worked with him for years and he can't just give that up and she's happy he's coming back and she'll make some calls for him and then there's like this weird cut. I don't know if it was weird for you, but it was weird for us where he's like having sex with an old lady, an older oh. lady. And you'd think like my first instinct was he's fucking his mom right now. Cause mm. it just like, he was talking to his mom just a second ago about not intimate in a sexual way, but like intimate in a like character way gotcha. things. And then it's a smash cut to him, like making love to somebody. Um, with like the same color hair and similar hairstyle as the mom. Gotcha. It, it wasn't the mom. It was the woman from the, um, the suit store, mm -hmm. the one that had, had been with him before. Yeah. Um, and so they finish and she's like completely smitten with him. She's supposed to be picking her husband up at the airport, but, uh, instead she's just like talking to him and distracted by him wanting to talk about scheduling another session or whatever. And she says she only has $150 in cash and asks if she can write a check. Because it's supposed uh, to be 200 yeah. Yeah, which is really funny to me. In 1981, writing a check for sex work, like... <laughs> well, I mean, his response, but like, it was just very much like, you know, I can't take a check. Right. <laughs> and then and then she's like, yeah, I can't write a check either. I don't even know why I suggested that. So he takes the 150 and says, you know what? Just like, if you have any friends that need to, you know, get it on, Mm -hmm. hit me up and she's like oh i'm gonna recommend you to so many people so it you know whatever um 
so yeah, he gets another job. He gets sent to another madam that I guess uh, his mom works with occasionally. Also, I had a note in here that Sonny's mom, I felt like that actress was really overacting the whole movie. Like, it, it's the only way I can kind of explain it is like, uh, you know, in when you go see a musical in person and the actors are are like very large in their movements and things like that because they have to for it to translate on a stage versus in a movie screen. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what it felt like she was doing. Like everything she was doing had to be so over the top. Like it was a play versus a movie. But because it was a movie, it kind of came across like she was overacting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, not really relevant to the scene that we're up, but it was something I I felt like throughout this movie. I mean, she she is a stage actor too, so that that might have been part of that coming in there. Um, I don't really know her particularly well, so I can't speak to like how she would be in other roles, um, right? If this was a choice, or if it's just how she acts. Yeah, this uh, her name is Brenda Blethen. If you've seen Pride and Prejudice, she is uh, Mrs. Bennett in Pride and Prejudice. It's probably where most people would recognize her, but yeah, she's so in he, a bunch of stuff. He goes to this other madam, and this madam is like, yeah, I've got a job for you. You'll need a costume. Uh, and so he shows up to this lady's house in a cop outfit. And it's a weird scene. He's like, yeah, it's, I, uh, there's an intruder, or there's a there's a person like assaulting women in the area. And I is your husband home? I just need to make sure that you're safe. Let's so check out the bedroom. Before they get to the bedroom, she's acting in such a way where I had a thought. That, that he was at the wrong house. That he was in the wrong house. We had that same thought. Yeah. <laughs> she seems like she has no knowledge of what's happening or anything. And then when he says to go check out the bedroom, she seems like, okay. Yeah. So Especially this is she what closes this is. the door to the bedroom. Like, all right, so we're, we're fine. But I was, she looks bewildered when he first shows up. Yeah. You know? And so when he gets up to the bedroom, he goes to the window and like he's checking the window, but then he just like starts rubbing himself. Yeah, to like get I, himself worked up, I guess. Yeah, I think I think he was starting to like because he doesn't like. Okay, he's conflicted, right? He doesn't really want to be doing this, but he feels like he has no choice because everything's fallen through for him, and so he's trying to get himself through that situation. Which, yeah. by the way, leads me to like one of the bigger plot problems in this movie, which is the only thing he could see available to him was this bookstore job but again like they they harp on he was honorably discharged why didn't he just go back to the army he talks about it at one point but then he doesn't do it then is he, like, like if that's like why oh, no it wasn't him that talked about it it was his friend that's what yeah, it was his right, friend said he was going to go back to the military because he had nothing you know right well so go back to the military then. so his we friend already showed it to him yeah. successful career in the military right and you would be housed and fed and you can move up the ranks and you know maybe meet somebody right and have a pretty normal life and it's just completely ignored other than yeah. that like one line from his buddy right which is showing that it's obviously an option for both of them but like yeah. it's just I don't, that i couldn't get that out of my head yeah i guess it just drove me nuts i didn't have as big of a problem with it but uh yeah i mean it is a plot hole for sure um, so yeah, there we get like this extended scene of him like rubbing his crotch to try and get himself aroused. And then the woman comes over and starts blowing his nightstick. Yeah. 
so he then he's like okay it's on and he starts getting kind of rough with her and like you know put your hands in, in the air and like throwing her on the bed and stuff and he starts like getting on top of her she says leave the uniform on and so he just like unzips the pants and starts going at it and then she's like no 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 use the nightstick so not only she has a nightstick fetish of some kind because she wants to suck on it and then she wants to be penetrated by it and you know what more power to her i'm glad she knows what she wants in life and she has the means to get it um so but at the end of this um she tries to short him like the other woman did essentially where she's like i only have this much money or no he she doesn't say she only has this much money. She hands him like $150 and he says, well, it's supposed to be 200. And she says, oh, I know. And gives no explanation otherwise. And so he starts breaking her shit. He like grabs this TV and like, he's like, oh, this will fetch some money. And then smashes it on the ground. It's like, oh, well, it's broken. I guess it won't. And he just like starts smashing heirlooms. He like tears like the curtains off the wall. Like, yeah. It, it goes like, Look, I get the whole short change thing. And for a moment when he just drops the TV, there's a moment where I'm like, yeah, like, I, I, I guess I could understand that response. But then he just continues on well beyond anything sane at all. Um, it just goes absolutely nuts. And then the scene to me totally falls apart because she eventually gives him the money but she crumples up like a 50 or whatever it is and tosses it at him and it just kind of like floats in the air as it goes down and yeah. to me broke like all of this in like tension that he built up being an insane maniac right. in this scene it just took the wind out it was a little weird yeah yeah okay where are we at okay yeah breaking old lady shit to get paid that was my note um so then my next note is car freak out oh yeah man yeah, he's unhinged. So he gets back in his car, which, by the way, he doesn't own. That yeah. was a, a gift, essentially, from Carol, right? And goes ballistic in this car. If if there was a trivia thing somewhere that said that something got broken or damaged, easy to believe. He goes insane. I don't know how he didn't break something or hurt himself. Yeah. Unhinged. Yeah, he's definitely got some issues. Mental health issues, anger issues, you know. In 1981, the therapy was pretty stigmatized. I mean, it still is, but, you know, he definitely could have used some at this point. I don't know if it's like PTSD from the army or if it's he was like this beforehand. But I mean, uh, that, they ignore like we never learn at all what he did in the army. We don't even know like what his roles were. Or you if know. he went to any kind of battle or combat right. was or he anything. deployed? I mean, like he was gone for a long enough period of time where he was probably deployed. Yeah. But yeah, we have no idea. It's not discussed. Right. Um, so my next note is, so him and Carol are a couple now. Well, no. So her mom, his mom, is, Jewel, is obsessed with Sonny and Carol working together as a team. And apparently... Yeah. That is a common thing where a couple will hire another couple and essentially swap, like be swingers, but you know, but it's paid. Um, and so that's what's happening. They're going out on a quote date because they've been hired by another wealthy couple. Right. And then there, my next note is birthday date argument, which I think was between Henry and Jewel. Yes. Um, because she wants to go to this like fancy restaurant. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really want to take her there. He doesn't, well, he doesn't have, have any money, money for we it. We just missed a scene. Yeah. 
I think it was the first of his card gambling scenes where he lost 40 bucks playing cards with this guy. Right. And when he says he doesn't have any money, she's like, go steal some shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's like, it's going to rain. Go. <laughs> yeah, it's going to rain. And she's like, I don't give a shit about the rain. I and, didn't uh, know that, you know, that stealing was weather based. Well, I, yeah, like... because you leave wet footprints in a house if you. Uh, uh, that's smart. It's good thinking. Um, yeah. So some of this is a little ambiguous i don't remember the order in which things happened i mean i have the order of my notes but i might have skipped some stuff but yeah at this point we find out that he was prostituting at 12 years old um because we knew that he was doing it at some point but i guess in my mind i was hoping that it was like 18 or like maybe 17 like you know kind of kind of adult yeah it's it's hard to know like again like time is weird in this movie so he's 26 when he comes back from the army he probably wasn't in the army for eight years right right that just seems unlikely so to me i was like it was possible that he was 18 19 doing this stuff but not for very long and then yeah you find out that he had been doing it since he was 12 which right so they end up going on this double working together this double thing the swinger couple and it's like this big party um very very wealthy people yes and so she goes with the guy and he goes with the woman which i think was the other woman from the suit store i believe so um and the guy just keeps going like golly gee oh gee whiz like while they're having sex it's awful yeah she's like riding him and he's just like oh gee whiz ma'am oh gee gee golly geez and it's like oh boy and then she makes fun of it later so i guess that's fine and uh I have barefoot eating as a note. I don't remember exactly what was happening. I have a yeah, feeling it happened right. during this party. I don't know. Barefoot eating. I mean, yeah. so we find the the way it, you know the party kind of ends is the woman finds Sonny in in her kitchen. He's made himself a sandwich. Yeah, I don't remember. He eats one bite of it and then just like sets it down. But he eats it really aggressively. It's a big bite, and he's like he talking takes. to her with the food in the mouth. Yeah, in his mouth. there's like <laughs> spittle of bread flying out of his like, mouth. Dude, she Very paid sexy you for this man. Like, come on, like yeah. And I so I don't know what the barefoot part is, though. I don't remember either. <laughs> uh, but they do. Uh, they they do it. They get their in the their kitchen job done in the kitchen. Yeah, and uh, after they're done, they go into where the where the husband and Carol are doing it. And like watches them. They're like in the doorway while it's going on. And, and then, then the kids come in. Like 30 seconds after it's Yeah, the, there's a guy literally just finished doing his thing. And uh yeah, kids come running in. Now very to, awkward. To be fair, they're, they're seemingly paid in full this time. Yes, as far the, as you which can is tell. The first and I think only time we see Sonny paid in full. Yeah. And then so they leave together, get in the car, and she's like, I'm not tired. Are you tired? Let's go and do something. And she's like, let's just go drive around. Where? And so they, yeah, where? There's She's like, I don't know, just a farm road somewhere. And so they go to this, like, farm road, which is like a single lane road in this really nice car that is probably going to be fucked when they're done with it. I mean, I feel bad for when this guy gets it back because he's not going to be able to sell it. Um, But, yeah, they stop at this farmhouse and they like they're having very intimate conversation she has a complete breakdown you know he has a lot of breakdowns in this movie but she has a complete breakdown about wanting a baby 
and wanting a normal life and getting out of this life and how she got proposed to by the guy that she blew for the Trans Am. Was it that guy? It was that guy because he wants the the Trans Am back later in the movie so that they can leave together to go get married. Okay, I didn't really connect the dots. Well, you see him in that scene too, but I mean, you haven't seen him much other than the blowjob scene at that point, so I can't... I wasn't sure it was the same guy. Yeah, I can't blame you. Her freak out is much more reasonable. Yes, it's a more human freak out. Yes, yeah. Like she's just, she's really sad because she thinks that that she's not going to have the life that she wants. And that's a very relatable concept. Even if you don't want the exact same life she does, I think a lot of people can relate to the idea. It is a very long scene though. Yeah. Um, with her breaking down, she it's raining outside and she like gets in the mud and like, the... well, she cuts her hand on a nail and I thought that was going to go somewhere right. later and it didn't, and it, didn't it just know? gave her an excuse to like run out and him to chase after her to make sure she's okay. And he's in like this white suit that's been hyped Six, up through the whole $600 movie. $600 suit. Yeah. In 1981. Which, I mean, that's a lot of money for a suit today. <laughs> for sure. I wouldn't spend that on a suit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very long scene and you know, it kind of, goes back into that thing that we talked about about nick cage loving character moments because he put the emphasis in this movie is on those character moments it's not on action or like you know sex scenes although there's a lot of those it's more just secondary most of them are you either show them up to them starting or you show them as they're ending there's not like huge full-blown sex scenes right it's not like zandali where we get like yeah crazy shit uh but yeah they uh he has a lot of these extended character moments and the the, her breakdown is one of them and you can tell that's just his favorite thing in movies is the character development and those intimate scenes and uh you know we get one of those um and so after this whole scene they go back and we get another shaving scene which i think at this point is the third shaving scene of him shaving in this movie Mm um and Carol tells him that this guy proposed and that if she's if he's not gonna go with her, then he's gonna she's gonna go marry the Trans Am guy. Um, and that she's leaving because he's not gonna take her seriously and not gonna not gonna get out of this life. I was so worried about what his reaction was going to be for her. Yeah, you thought it was gonna be like another breakdown. Like, well, I mean, it's the only time he doesn't. Right. Um so then we get a scene of Henry where he's playing Jin and he wins. And so at this point, my next note was he won Jin. Something's going to happen to him. Yeah. It, look, I don't mean to be too insulting here, but this was like the single most cliche thing I've seen in a long time. Right. So as soon as he wins, he like walks outside, gets into his car and I was writing a note at this point. I think I was finishing that note about he's gonna, something's going to happen to him. And there's an explosion. I assume a truck ran into his car or something. He pulls the car away. You know, he's driving down the street. And then, yeah, this truck just comes. And, like, the thing bursts into flames. Yeah, like, instantly. Like Michael Bay movie. Right. Like- <laughs> yeah. And, and he's dead. And you see, like, his hat fly off, fly out of the car and, like, land on the ground. Um, so it's definitely implied that he's dead, although we never see a body. So maybe he'll come back in the sequel. No, um, I guess that's true. We can get his <laughs> charred wallet later. In the that's movie, true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the, he, he dies immediately after winning Jin. And, uh, so then we get the big reveal, which is that, uh, Henry was 
da, 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 Sonny's dad, who he's hyped up a couple times as being this guy that was like a one-time hookup with his mom, you know, years ago, and then the guy left, and you know, nothing has been known about him since. But then, yeah, it's revealed that he's Sonny's dad, which, you know, at this point, you've probably figured that out already. It wasn't a well-hidden fact at this point in the movie. I mean, it was a reasonable guess, but then like when you pair it with the way he died, it's just, it's just this massive cliche that just has another massive cliche just tacked onto it. And it's just. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And then we get the David Bowie song. I can't, I think it was a uh, uh, space oddity. Wasn't it? Uh, I had it up here. I just lost it. I believe it was space oddity. So. Um, it was uh, Moon Age Daydream. Was it? Okay. Uh, and then we also get, I'll, I'll say this, we, you know, I mentioned we didn't get much 80s music, but we get, did get Diva Whip It uh, right. yes. after this. So, so yes. yeah, we did get a couple of 80s. But at this point in the movie, he's like depressed and she's leaving and it's like he's having all these things happen to him. And so he goes to, he, he's drunk. He goes out drinking um and he goes to this other brothel that we hadn't seen up to this point um which is where nick cage's character uh acid yellow i kept just waiting for him to show up like half this movie yeah i knew i knew it had to be at this point because uh i had seen uh on imdb the trailer played or something while i was describing it and in the scene that it showed Nick Cage's picture, it had like weird fuzziness on the side, and that's the way they kind of portrayed his drunkenness. So I was like, okay, it's got to be coming up. And so yeah, he goes to this brothel where Nick Cage is essentially the ma- the madam. I don't know if it's called the sir, if it's a man, but Couldn't the person it. he's the person that runs a brothel, and it seems to be a gay brothel. Um, and he is a very eccentric character. Uh, wears yellow over he's the got, top he's got a prosthetic, prosthetic nose. nose yeah um a weird accent <laughs> you know so we, i i actually almost had a bingo on this one we so you'll make sure while you'll watch our bingo uh card for this, this one bingo. this yes. was the closest i've come to getting a a cage bingo and it, which is funny because he was in the movie for like two seconds I know, right um but yeah but he stole the scene i'll tell you that he much. did steal the scene he he killed it um but basically, uh, Sonny goes into this brothel and says, I've got a lot of energy. You know, I need to get it out. And so uh, Acid Yellow is like, well, why did when did you switch? You know, you've never, never had an interest in this before. before. Yeah, yeah, you've never done guys before. And he's like, just give me a guy. Just give me a guy. And he's like, OK, I got a guy for you. So he brings this guy in, closes the door. And then Sonny just starts beating the shit out of this guy. He's like, this guy is clearly into like a humiliation fetish type of mm-hmm. thing. And uh, so he starts out with that, but then he's like, uh, "Why aren't? Why did you tell me you're my dad, or something like that? Something about dad the thing." Like, what the what? guy's like, "What are you talking about?" And then he just punches him across the face and just starts beating the shit out of him. The guy's like crying out, and Sunny and the bouncer, or not Sunny and the bouncer, Acid Yellow and the bouncer hear it, and they come in and. <laughs> Uh, Acid Yellow pulls a sword out of the kit out of his cane and like starts swinging it out of. Oh my god, it was so great! It was great, and uh, so yeah, he runs out into the street. We don't hear anything from Acid Yellow anymore, but he does go, I have cocaine at one point. (laughs) Nick Cage does, uh, which was great, 
And he also, when he pulls out the sword, Kane goes, cut his face. <laughs> and, like starts swinging in his face. It's so good. Um, I want to yeah. see, I want to see the prequel, the, the acid yellow right, story. The acid yellow prequel. <laughs> we should pitch that to him whenever we get to interview him in the future. Is that, I would watch that. I would watch yeah. the hell out of that. Uh, so then he, like we, the next scene we see him like in his house, Carol's leaving um he's holding like a bag that's got his now dead dad's i guess belongings in it yeah in the hat um and so she's talking to him about how he can still or like he she says come outside with me because i don't want to talk about you with this where she can hear being his mom and she doesn't want his mom to hear and so she takes him outside and she's like listen you don't have to ever go back in there you can walk out on your own and leave this life that's what i'm doing and and uh you know you can be better than that and so he you kind of see him thinking about this and she goes away and gets in the car and is driving away and crying and and the guy is a huge prick to her he's like wipe away them tears you know like just a huge jerk and then we see like sunny running after her like running after the car she gets out of the car and it it has like this happy ending montage essentially with those two leaving together and then it cuts back to him just standing outside the door and the movie ends. So you think you're getting a happy ending, but no, it's a completely ambiguous ending. You don't know what happens. And that's the movie. That's the movie. That's it's the just end. a sad, depressing movie filled with mostly sad, depressed people. Um, I guess Carol at least gets away. I don't know how long she stays with this guy, um, but yeah. Yeah. It's a downer of a movie that has a lot of very um, intense, problematic themes and events. And that's that's the movie, man. That's the whole movie. It is. Yeah. I mean, we can't harp on it too much. It's no. it, it, it isn't much deeper than we've laid it out to be. I mean. So that's it. So then his one. OK, so just I want your opinion. Uh huh. Do you think he should have directed more movies after this? Or do you think that maybe this kind of showed that he wasn't really cut out to be a director and should stick to being uh, an actor? No, I th- I think I would have liked to have seen more opportunities for him to do it because I don't really have any issues with the way it's shot, with the way things are portrayed. I don't care for the story. Um, I don't. I care. guess my wonder is how much how much he had to do with the actual story because it does say a film by Nick yeah, Cage. He, I mean, he didn't write it. He's not credited with writing it. Um, he did choose this project though. So, I mean, that did. has to be, you know, accounted for as well. It's not like he was forced into doing this. This is the project he picked to direct. He probably could have directed a lot of movies. I mean, that's possible we i don't know that's the thing right because he never directed anything else i don't know if there were offers for him to direct things maybe not but i mean if people knew he was interested in that i mean because he had just come off his holy trinity of movies um you know and i think gone in 60 seconds was around this time a few years before you know he had the holy trinity in the ni- late 90s he was pretty popular around this time he was a pretty big star so yeah. i feel like you know if studios knew he was looking for a movie to to direct you know he wouldn't have had to necessarily do this indie movie so he picked this movie all things considered i would have given him another opportunity right i'm not big on like the one and done mentality 
uh, especially like at this level, right? Like this guy has been, you know, a proven actor for, for decades at this point and one not amazing outing does doesn't mean he's a bad director there are plenty of bad directors that get to do a dozen different films no and there was potential but, in the way it was directed in this for sure i could right. see that i could see what he was going for with a lot of it and i think with the right movie that it would have been he could have had something really really good um i just don't think that this was the movie there was no chance that this movie was going to be an oscar contender there was no movie that this movie was going to be popular at the box office just based on the subject matter well the I thing mean, is based on how much money it made it only made 132 grand worldwide to me that means it wasn't even like and this was in 2002 i mean how right. much did spider-man make that year uh, probably 300 yeah. million or something or 350 million so to me it means this movie wasn't even given a normal release right right and so you know I, I just don't know enough about the behind the scenes aspects to say whether it's a fair shake or not for him i can say that i don't really care for james franco in this i don't care for him in most things and I didn't before he became problematic and it certainly has you know tainted my view of him since then. And the rest of the cast, I mean, yeah, Harry Dean Stanton's great, but like the rest of the cast is. Mina Suvari is good. I mean, yeah, yeah she's, she's good. A, she's a lot good. of good stuff. Yeah. I just, I don't know the movie, but her work. role was wasted for, you know, in right. this movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think I can see the bones of a good director there. I mean, he knows how his way around a film set. Mm -hmm. He has a very clear vision of what's he, what he wants. I just don't necessarily think that this was the right choice. And I think this was a good practice run. I would have liked, like you said, I would have liked to see him get a second chance because, you know, he, you learn a lot your first time doing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, He's done it, so many of these like mob type flicks that I think I would have rather have seen him direct something like that, that he that's a little bit more of a mainstream concept, because like the themes in this movie are very niche edge themes that your average viewer is not going to care. And dark, and like nobody's going to go to this movie and see it three times in theaters, you know? No, but like, I also just don't think a lot of people can connect with it. It's very right. hard to relate to a, to a lot of these situations and i'm not saying that means it shouldn't be made right but it does mean that it doesn't have the same ceiling that you know a movie about him being an ex-assassin is going to have right right and so i think that hindered it as well agreed well we have to rate it yeah yeah so we rate our movies zero through 20 uh zero low 20 high on overall quality and overall caginess um i guess i'll kick things off this yeah time. because you don't want to rate the caginess i know you want me to take that first hit no, i saw you, that coming a mile away you you go ahead go ahead you can go first no it's okay you went first last go time i was it. trying to be fair all right um uh, yeah go ahead you started off and i'll, I'll do caginess okay so um overall quality i mean it's not great it's certainly not the worst movie that we have watched no um you know or anything like that i would probably give this a five yeah, I'd be right in there with you. Five or six, somewhere in there. Um, it was definitely not a movie I would watch again. Um, but I would be curious to like talk to him about it, mm -hmm, why he picked it. You know, there's some there's some stuff in there that I'd be curious to, to know his process behind. Um, so are you giving it a five or a six? I'll say a five. Yeah, a five. I, I, I don't think six is. I think a six is a little high for it. Okay, so we got a five on overall quality. So you know. Puts it above last week's uh, Left Behind by half right. a point. Um, 
Well, yeah, I would rather watch this again than Left Behind. So, yeah, I mean, it might be a, bit, a little bit of a coin flip depending on my mood, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but Cajunus is is interesting here because yeah, he's only really in one scene, uh, but he is a hundred percent KG in that one scene. He's 100% KG in that one scene. And because he's the director, you know, argument could be made that he is in every scene. And right. there are some aspects of some of the freakouts that may be considered KG at times. Yeah. What are you thinking? I mean, I was going to put it pretty high because every scene that we physically see him in, he's pretty much at full cage. Um, I'm not going to put it at 20, but I mean, it's going to be mid-teens i'm thinking i don't know where are you at i kind of feel like we need to collaborate on this a little bit because it's kind of a weird movie it is a weird movie i was thinking because because he's only in the one scene but there are some other aspects to the movie that are that are cage-esque um i was gonna put it somewhere around i'm thinking a 13 see i was thinking like a 15 okay but you know we can meet in the middle at 14 yeah 15 and 13 his so like, one scene that he was in was just like serious it was full cage so i know he totally. was only in one yeah. scene but he you know when we're rating caginess i feel yeah. like you know well so 15 first just some comparisons like you, you gave 15s to uh leaving las vegas that's yeah. your, that's your only 15 but you Which gave he was kg in a lot of scenes in that one you gave spirit of vengeance a 14 prisoners of the ghost land a 16 so just for some perspective there but i think that that's fair yeah uh, all right i took i it would have been like a 20 if he was this character in the whole movie well, but sure, because yeah. he was only in the one scene you know i brought it down a little bit because of that so we got a five on quality and a 14 on overall caginess and then what we got to do next is find out which movie is going to join the wheel o cage and replace sunny and that is Bad Lieutenant, Port nice. of Call, New Orleans, is which I think sequel? he's actually come out. I think he's actually come out and said that's one of his favorite projects he's ever done. You remember that late night interview he did when he was promoting a, a Weight of Unbearable Talent? Yes. And he came out and said like his five favorite projects, the Cage projects. That was one of them. I'm pretty sure that was one of them. Is that the, I guess I didn't realize that that was always the full name of the movie. I was looking at it and thought maybe it was a sequel to Bad Lieutenant. I didn't realize it had such a long title. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Bad Lieutenant uh, joins the Wheel of Cage. So, to find out what movie we're going to talk about next time, go to comingofcage.com and find our Wheel O Cage spin, which comes out the Monday after our episode. And then we'll find out which Nicolas Cage movie is up next on the show. Ryan, yep. anything else for Sonny? No, I think we pretty much covered it all. It was uh, it was something. It was something. Yeah, Nick, go ahead. if you're listening, you know we're we're sorry, but we want to see you direct something else. Let's give it another. Yeah, shot. reach out to us. I want to. I want to. I want to pick your brain a little bit about this. Yeah, we got lots of questions. We love you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'm Derek. That's Ryan. We're the Coming of Cage podcast, ComingOfCage.com, your podcast app of choice, our YouTube channel, what have you. We'll catch you next time. Peace. 